welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast Season 4, Episode 9, getting close to the end of Season 4 of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, this season being devoted to things I wish I knew when I was starting my career. And just a reminder, this kind of wasn't really my idea. I had so many people come to me and say, Mitch, we love when you interview guests, but we know you. You have some great stories about your career and about things you've done and things you've failed at. You're pretty authentic about it. We want to hear more about it. So this is what season four is devoted to. And the interesting thing is, um, I am not a self-proclaimed career guru, um, some sort of expert in what it takes to be successful at work. I know I've had a lot of successes. I know I've had a lot of failures. I know I've done a lot of things right. I know I've done a lot of things wrong. Um, and it's okay because Meet Mediocrity is all about be um, accepting of yourself. Be willing to fail and to keep on going and keep on trying. So meeting mediocrity is, is basically accepting the fact that we'll all have mediocre moments and those moments might last a while. But it's the never giving up and never stop trying that's the key. In fact, um, my desk is uh, to the right of me here um, in my little recording studio. <laughs> and um, there's a quote I'm going to read. I have three quotes above my computer. I'm going to read one of them to you. I've re- I think I've read it before on the podcast, but I'll read it again. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill. And frankly, the definition of meat mediocrity. Okay, so today's episode nine of season four, The Things I Wish I Knew When I Was Starting My Career, is all about motivating and upskilling your team. Because let's face it, you know the saying, behind every man is a good woman, and frankly, behind, most, um, behind every good woman is a good man. Um, although I don't even know that that's true anymore. I think, frankly, what that really means is that Behind every person is a support network. Man, woman, that part doesn't matter. What does matter is a support network. No one can be truly successful by themselves. In fact, you know, there are a lot of um, memes and things on, on social media that talk about all humanity being interconnected. I think I'm starting to learn more and more that that is true. Um, but in the context of this episode, Surrounding yourself by good people is, this, is one of the secrets to success and one of the things that I have learned over the course of my career. So upskilling your career. First and foremost, recognize your team members' strengths and weaknesses. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about two people that I work with or that I have worked with in my career. One is named Isabel. And one is named Rachel. So two, two women who I've worked with for a long time. And Isabel, she is an amazing team builder. She, everyone likes Isabel. Everyone, Isabel, and Isabel knows everything that's going on with everyone else. Um, and so with that, because of that, everyone likes working with her. Everyone likes having her part of the team. And whether she has genius ideas or whether her work product is A++, it doesn't matter because she's an absolute pleasure to have around. Now, Rachel, on the other hand, 
also gets along with people, but she's really no nonsense. She is get stuff done and get it done in a quick, high quality, well-organized way. And if you need a, a, if you need a complicated project organizer, you need a project well done within the, the confines of Rachel's expertise, she's the person to do it. In fact, not Isabel. Isabel will do a solid job, a B-plus job, an A-minus job, but not an A-plus job like Rachel will do. Both of these people are incredibly valuable to the team. And as a, as a manager or a uh, leader, it's important that you recognize their strengths and capitalize on it. Um, teams going through an incredibly difficult project, taking, working on very hard, long hours. You can count on Isabel to set up a happy hour to send out Starbucks gift cards to recognize that people are struggling, that they're working hard, and to play into that, to motivate them through the difficult times. Um, you have an incredibly complicated project and you need stuff done. Rachel's your person. And to recognize that and to be able to capitalize on that makes managers far more effective and far more successful. I'm not going to try to change Rachel. I'm not going to try to change Isabel. But this leads me to my second point, which is to help them grow. So, you know, I will coach Rachel sometimes on make a little small talk. When you start your conference calls or when you start a meeting or when you start a conversation with anyone, Take a minute to ask them how they're doing. What did they do over the weekend? Maybe ask them one of those in really insightful questions like, what was the best thing you ate last week? Uh, what was the best meal you had? Just something to get the conversation started, even if it lasts a minute or two. Rachel, we know you're organizing. We know you're going to get things done. But take a minute and connect with other people. Well, round yourself out. Now, I will never expect Rachel, well, I will not likely expect Rachel to be the person who organizes a happy hour. But by recognizing Rachel's strengths and working on developing areas where she can improve, you're helping Rachel grow. And the same thing with Isabel. Isabel, you know, may not have the skills to organize an incredibly complicated project, but she's not stupid. She certainly has some base skills and Sometimes teaming Isabel with someone like a Rachel to learn ways to better organize projects will enhance Isabel's areas of opportunity for growth. So to me, that's, that's um, an important skill. So recognize your team's strengths and weaknesses. Each team member, capitalize on their strengths and help them develop their weaknesses, but don't expect their weaknesses to become strengths just raise their game. Now, this sounds like this is something that it's easy for me to say now. I've been in my career for over 30 years. I've been doing this a long time, but it's interesting. This is something that we should all be focused on even early in our career. So I'm thinking back to when I was in my mid to late 20s, uh, a long time ago. And I, um, <clears throat> the first time I started supervising people, the first time, 
Um, I had a uh, person on my team. Uh, his name was was Michael, and Michael, um, you know, I, I I don't think I knew it at the time, but intuitively I capitalized on Michael's strengths, which was hardworking, get stuff done, high volume of output, pretty good, not perfect, pretty good quality. So I always capitalized on Michael to get stuff done and get a lot of stuff done. Um, and I knew it would be mostly right. And I knew how much I needed to kind of oversee his work to make sure that I didn't get burnt by, by any quality issues. But he was mostly high quality, definitely high volume. The other thing with Michael is he was a cocky son of a gun. Um, and I'm being nice. So full of himself. I mean, more full of himself than he was worth. And so trying to tone down Michael was a challenge, but it was an area of opportunity because, you know, you need to be a little bit humble no matter how good you are to be successful in your career. Now, why am I telling you this? Michael was straight out of college when he was working for the University of Chicago, smart guy. And um, Michael, um, I was the, one of the first people I, I uh, trained and worked with. Now, why am I mentioning this? Here we are 30 years later, and I've been keeping in touch with Michael. We see each other, not often, but once every few years. Um, we don't work together anymore. We don't even work at the same company anymore, but we keep in touch kind of periodically. We follow each other on LinkedIn. Um, we, we like each other's posts. We uh, comment on each other's birthdays and career goal, um, progressions and promotions. Anyway, Michael reached out to me recently. Um, phone call. And I had Michael's number in my phone, and it came up. I was like, holy crap, Michael's calling me. This is literally just a couple of weeks ago. That's why I'm telling you the Michael story. And Michael, there was something happening in Michael's career, and he said, hey, Mitch, um, I'd love to come meet with you and pick your brain. You were so influential on my career early on. I've seen the development of your career, and I, I hear from other people what you've done for them. And I have a career dilemma I'd like to speak with you about because I really admire you. Why am I mentioning this? Because developing your, your team and helping your team is not just around, about surrounding yourself with good people. Of course, that's a big part of it. But the joy, especially when your career gets you know, 10, 20, 30 years in, and you have someone like Michael reach back to you and say, you know, you had a big influence on my career and I'd still value your advice. I don't think anything could be more fulfilling and gratifying than that. So investing in people can be self-serving in multiple, way in multiple ways. Next thing on developing your team. Say thank you a lot and say it authentically. And I say say it authentically for a reason. So this is much earlier in my career, but I remember the year, actually. It was like 1993. Okay, maybe it was 1994, but it was a long time ago. And I remember vividly, there was a uh, senior person that led the group I was working in at the time, and his name was Stan. And Stan, um, very well-dressed guy, 
very well dressed. Always his hair was perfect. You would think that he was wearing a brand new suit and tie every day. His his shirts were, were starched with beautiful cufflinks in them. Stan was kind of like the epitome of professionals, especially in the early 90s. Now you can wear jeans and a t-shirt and get away with it, but not then. And Stan took it to a whole new level. The thing about Stan, though, was he said thank you all the time in a perfunctory way. You could do a mediocre job. You could do something that took five minutes in a rush, and he'd be like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And that thank you so much, I really appreciate it, was so overused by Stan. That we used to get together at lunch as a group of, of staff people and make fun of Stan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was not authentic. It was a thank you that almost had no meaning to it. So when I suggest saying thank you, I, I think you need to say it often and authentically. So let me give you an example. Um, I spoke about Rachel earlier. So th- there's a, this Rachel person who, by the way, um, I have to say this because I just realized <laughs> I am changing names. These are not real names. So there is a Rachel that I work with. It's not you. <laughs> None of the names are you. So don't think it's you. But the, the Rachel that I spoke about earlier in this conversation is kind of based on a real person. And, and I was working with Rachel recently on a project. And Rachel said to me, um, Rachel... I wanted this project to be done by noon on Friday. Why? Not because it was due on Friday. It was actually going to be due first thing on Monday. And I said, get it done midday on Friday. That way you can kind of take a deep breath on Friday afternoon going into the weekend. You don't have to work on it over the weekend. I will take a look at it over the weekend, make any tweaks if I need to make any tweaks. And the project will be ready to roll Monday morning. So, Rachel, see if you can get it done by, by midday Friday and be done with it. So, Rachel came back to me and said, Mitch, it's Friday. It's noon. I'm about to go and get a salad and take it back to my desk because I'm not satisfied with the project. It's like an A-. minus, And I know I can make it an A+. plus." I can make it really great. And you'll have to spend less time on it reviewing it if I just spend a few more hours on it. Of course, I said, wow. That's why I love having Rachel on my team. And sure enough, uh, she ended up working on it until 4 o'clock. And then her child needed to be picked up from school, taken to a dance lesson, then she had promised her family, you know, that they would have a Friday night dinner together. I think there was pizza night at Rachel's house. So they brought in pizzas for her, her, her husband, her, her daughter, and, and her other two children. They had a family dinner, and she went back to her. She texted me. She texted me at 4 o'clock and said, almost done. When are you going to review it? I said, probably not until sometime on Sunday. And she said, okay, good. I will finish it up tonight. Would you believe after her dinner, after her pizza, after the kids were in bed, she went back in, she finished the document sometime around 9 p.m. and she sent it over to me. And of course, it was an A-plus project and I had to spend 
maybe 20 minutes over the weekend on Sunday reviewing it because Rachel spent four more hours on it on Friday than I thought she needed to. Maybe it's five more hours. Anyway, you know, I said didn't just say thank you to Rachel on Friday when I saw that she had emailed document to me on Friday night. I saw it on my phone. I was actually in bed watching TV with my wife. And um, I saw that she'd sent it at 9.15 p.m. And I sent her an immediate thank you. I reviewed it on Sunday. And it was so good. It took me hardly any time to review it. I sent her another thank you on, on Sunday, specifically citing the quality of the work and specifically citing how much time she saved me. And then when I sent it over to the client on Monday, I sent Rachel another thank you note appreciating that she worked extra on Friday, appreciating that it took me very little time to review it, and how proud I was to send a project like that to the client. Now, very specific thank yous, frequent thank yous, and pointed authentic thank yous. I think they mean a lot. And that that thank you is probably why Rachel went the extra effort. She knew I appreciated it. She took pride in her work, of course, but she, she actually came back to me um, on Monday afternoon and said, I want, I want you to know I recognized how much you said thank you. And the fact that you appreciated it made me proud of the effort I put in. So say thank you, say it often, say it authentically. Last thing on developing your team, find the right level of friendship. So two completely different people now. <laughs> um, one of them is a woman named Christine, and one of them is a man named Paul. Christine, she's uber friendly, uber, uber friendly. In fact, you know you're going to have a, a, a phone call and Christine is on it. Um, you know that if it's a problem, that, that 10% of the call, the first 10% of the call, 30-minute call, First three minutes, 15 minute call, first two minutes, one hour call, first five or six minutes are going to be spent talking about what's going on in Christine's world. She doesn't even really ask you what's going on in your world, but she, maybe a little bit, but, but she definitely tells you everything that's going on in her world. So whether it's her, what her kids are doing or what her husband's doing or what she did or what's going on in her yard or what's going on with her pets, Christine has a story about what's going on in her world. In fact, everyone on, uh, who works with Christine knows Christine's kids, her pets, her, her husband, um, her friends, her political views, her, what she likes to do in her free time, what she likes to cook, what she likes to eat. Everyone knows everything about Christine. And, I th- and by the way, Christine's not selfish. Christine knows a lot about other people too, but it comes out during the course of Christine talking about her world and then finding out a little bit about your world. Now, I think it's a little too much. I think it's a little too much. I think that Christine needs to find a time and place to talk about personal stuff because you don't want to be all business all the time and you want to be authentic. You don't want to be like, nice weather we're having. But I think that there's a balance, right? It doesn't need to be every call, 10% of the call, talking about personal matters. Now, Paul. Paul is one of these people who will start a call talking about personal stuff because it's like the right thing to do. It's like the formula. 
Um, he'll see you, he'll do something social with you, and he'll ask you what's going on in your world. But it's a formula. You could tell that it's not authentic. And in fact, he kind of he he's very good, and he kind of tricks you into thinking, or, or I believe that that I'm becoming good friends with Paul every time I'm with him, until a moment in that I realize that I'm really not. You know, it was all part of making the conversation professional, and over time you realize Paul isn't really authentic and really isn't interested. So. Christine might be a little bit too much. I prefer Christine to Paul because I think Paul is completely inauthentic and formulaic. But you need to find the right balance. And that's the point of this part of building up your team. Care about them. Know about them. Know their kids and their, their spouse and their pets and their family and their likes and their dislikes. You don't have to talk about it in depth every time you speak to them. You don't have to speak about it in depth all the time. But knowing these things and referencing them as appropriate, on occasion, um, to be more than just formulaic, I think is critically important. Send them a happy birthday note. If it's a big birthday, send them a gift. Um, for the holidays, you, you, don't have to, you can send out holiday cards if you like, but try not to disturb them on the holidays if they have a great holiday, at a minimum. Ask them how their holiday was and care and listen. So there's this kind of balance of <clears throat> not all the time, but not inauthentic either. And that perfect level of friendship is important. So let me wrap up here. I, I covered a few things. One, know the strengths and weaknesses of your team. Two, help them grow. Capitalize on, on their strengths. Help them develop their, their less strengths or weaknesses. Um, do it at all levels. A, even, even if you're, you're a relatively junior and it's the first time supervising people, helping people develop will make you better at work. And B, you'll be building a, a bank, a, a boatload of people who are loyal to you, who um, really admire you for the rest of your career. Third, say thank you a lot and say it authentically. Say it like you mean it. And fourth, be friendly. Be, be a friend on a level. Don't go too far. But don't make it formulaic and inauthentic because then it's not real. So those are my four tips for building and upskilling your team. Again, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, not like a, a whole masterclass on how to build up your team. Just some tips on, on today's podcast from Mitch on things to do in building up your career and, and, and ways to do it. Season four is coming to an, an end. Next uh, podcast episode will be episode 10 of season four, and it will be the last podcast. It'll be kind of a wrap up on career matters. And then we'll be quickly into season five, where we're interviewing guests and going back to some really great guests who really have helped me personally on ways to develop my overall wellness and have me kind of plow past mediocrity when, I feel, when I'm feeling mediocre. So. Once again, if you're enjoying the Meet Mediocrity podcast, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Instagram. Please check out meetmediocrity.com where you can request a free t-shirt between now and the end of the year, where you can um, subscribe to our newsletter. And um, until next time, getting a little chilly outside, uh, continue to stay safe, stay positive, be happy and be well. Take care, everyone.